My name is Austin. Yes, part of the... Hi. Okay, I got to tell you guys, this event... Can I tell you guys a story? Okay. Story time. I love this event for many reasons, but three years ago was the first time that we had been invited. Now, we've been in the public schools in St. Louis for like 20-something years. It's getting ridiculous now. I haven't been. I was not in the schools 20 years ago. Okay, but we have been in the, in the public schools for a long time. And then out of the blue, we got this invite to go to this thing called The Gathering. And I was confused. Very confused. Okay, so basically what they told us in a really short amount of time was that we're going to put like 20,000 high schoolers in a room and not tell anybody that you're going to be there. Cool? So you have a room, seats about 100 people, and a screen, and we're not telling anybody that you're there, so good luck. Cool. So my office, we sit down, and we run our, our secular program in the schools is called Best Choice. Right? And so we're thinking about that, and we're like, that's kind of cool, but eh, it's vague. Okay, it doesn't really... We were pretty sure if we called it best choice, no one would be here. It would just be lame. So we're sitting around a desk trying to think, how could we get students to come to a room to hear about sex? So somebody drew this, and we put it on a card, and it just said best sex. I think it was like room 204, and that was it. We didn't say anything else, and we handed out thousands of these cards. And we turned away more people than we actually could fit in the room at every hour for the whole gathering. We had people just turning away. So the best part about this is the last day, they gave us a room about this big, okay? So from 100 to this big. They were like, this is ridiculous. So your last session of the entire gathering was supposed to be 4 o'clock in a room about this big. So... We, I think we went and like got food and coffee or something and we're coming up to the room and we got up about 10 to 3 to start setting up because it was a new room so we wanted to set up some stuff, see what it looked like. And we go up the escalators and me and my coworkers walk up the escalators and the lobby is packed. I mean, we were like pushing our way through and I was like, why are all these people here? My first thought was no one's going to come to our presentation because apparently there's something way cool going on up here and everybody wants to go to. So my coworker grabs somebody and says, hey, what are y'all doing here? What are you waiting for? The student says, oh, we're waiting for the best sex team. And then we're wearing uh, Thrive Best Choice t-shirts, which they knew us as Thrive Best Choice back then. So they said, we're waiting for you. And I'm looking around like, who are you? Okay, and we went in the room. The room was full. And they were all standing out in the hallway, couldn't get in an hour early. So it was nuts. So this has been one of my favorite events. And I tell that story uh, all the time, like whenever we present. Um, so that's the, the history behind the Best Sex uh, logo and session. And now we all know why you're here. Cool. So with that, I'm going to let my coworker introduced herself. Okay, hello everyone. My name is Ambria. I know it's like a super weird name. Let's not talk about it, okay? Um, please don't call me Ambrosia. My seventh grade teacher did that my whole life and like it literally PTSD, so don't do it. Um, I am so excited to be here. I'm originally from Oklahoma. Anybody Woo! else? Yeah! Oklahoma City, okay, I'm from Duncan. Like yeah! super like Hoosier, okay. So if I say y'all a lot, that's why. Don't come at me, all right? Okay. 
So I'm super excited to be here. Um, I've been with Thrive for almost three years. We absolutely love teaching about best sex. What? Did those words just come out of my mouth? Um, so being originally from Oklahoma, I um, am super surprised at how tall these buildings are here. Yeah. Kind of scary. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to talk about this. I personally am really excited to say what we have to say and to really dive into this, because I know it can be really awkward, but it needs to be talked about. Yeah, so definitely. Uh, why I'm here, though, so I, maybe like a lot of you, I grew up in an awesome Christian home. And maybe that's not the case for some of y'all, but maybe that is for some of y'all. And it was good. there was a lot of really great things about growing up in a Christian homeschool. Yes, I am a homeschooler, um, survivor. But... <laughs> So I grew up in this awesome family, and things were great, and we had a lot of good communication in my family, but there was one thing that we didn't talk about, like ever. Like it didn't come up, except for like occasionally when like a, I don't know, like a Viagra commercial comes on or whatever, and then everyone notices the stain in the ceiling. Like we should fix that, okay? And that was pretty much the extent of our conversations about sex at all. So... Growing up in that environment, I saw pornography when I was about 11 years old for the first time. It took me seven years of trying to, of knowing that was wrong, because like, I went, I went to church, had an awesome family, like I knew what was right, what was wrong, couldn't get free of it. Seven years, uh, I was addicted to pornography. And I, when I finally got out of this, looking back on it, I realized something. And that was that this industry which we're going to look at a little bit today, is massive and huge and built on uh, coercion and abuse, is not going to be overcome by silence. And when I looked into the scriptures, I was amazed just how many times like Paul and Jesus and a lot of other people use the word sex. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like how many times the Bible uses the word sex? And clearly it was something important in scripture. So that's uh, why I love to talk about best sex. Okay, and a lot of the reason why we're here. Very good. Uh, I also grew up Christian. I grew up um, very familiar with the church pew. Um, and although I didn't really struggle as bad with pornography, um, I really struggled with unhealthy relationships and kind of finding my identity in those. Uh, unlike Austin, I was not homeschooled. I was public schooled, and I literally thought I was going to die because I looked like a weird roly-poly when I was in eighth grade. So <laughs> let's just not talk about it. But... Um, you know, I was a young girl and I kind of like sought after relationships to fulfill me and that got really dangerous and it got really unhealthy. Um, uh, but I've learned so much from that and God has just really helped me see that I don't need to find my identity in a relationship. I find my identity in Christ. Um, so I'm going to start this off. We're going to read the word, just a little scripture concerning marriage. Um, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Cool. Another thing I should probably clarify, just thinking about this now, we're both recently married, not to each other. Cool? All right. So, <laughs> but anyway, the thing is, looking in scripture, we can see that 
sex isn't a bad thing. Like, not how God intended it to be. It's clearly not bad. But that's not exactly what we see when we look around us. All right, so pornography is a $97 billion global industry. $12 billion comes from the United States and $3 billion in child pornography, which is one of the fastest growing online businesses. Crazy, right? Also, did you guys know that porn sites receive more traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined? 30% of all data across the internet is considered pornographic in nature. Age group 18 to 24 are the biggest consumers of online porn, and this group consists of 5% more females than males, so it's not just a guy problem. And we can see that this is promoting to a different type of culture where we find that almost half of high school seniors um, are sexually active. So some of you might be thinking, why do we need to talk about this? Like, I don't struggle, or maybe you're just like, I don't want to hear this, okay? But it's super important to talk about this. Like, it's not just something that we want to sweep under the rug, because just like he said, silence is the worst thing for this. The enemy wants us to feel shameful and wants us to feel like we need to hide this, but God wants us to bring it into the light so that we can deal with it the right way. So it might get a little uncomfortable, but we're going to make it fun. <laughs> cool. So sex is not bad. Probably, I don't know, maybe that's what you expected to see when you came to a talk called a, a titled, wow, let me try that again. Okay, when you came to a talk titled Best Sex, there we go, clarify that. Um, but when we look to the scriptures, we see that sex is not bad. Right, so sex is not a bad thing in nature, okay? God literally calls us to be married, calls us to um, find ourselves a husband or wife and then unite with them and become one with them. So sex is not a bad thing. I mean, I don't know if any of y'all have read Song of Solomon, but they're not just talking about like playing in the field, okay? In fact, 1 Corinthians 7, at the end of that passage that we read earlier, Paul encourages Christians who are married, okay, who are married, to have sex. It says, do not deprive each other, okay, except for a time of prayer, and then don't forget to come back together again. So, the problem isn't that sex is a bad thing, but looking in our culture again, that's not exactly uh, what we see all the time. In fact, Hebrews 13 tells us to honor the marriage bed, and that's not exactly what we're seeing in our culture. Right, so I want to hear from you guys, okay? So everyone think of different types of media that we see, okay? Could be social media, so Instagram, Facebook. I don't know if some of y'all use MySpace, okay? Um, also, think about like TV shows that we watch, movies, okay? Um, music. Who's a big fan of music? Yeah? Okay? So, think about those things. What are some messages that we hear about sex and relationships? So we hear a lot of things in the media about sex. It's kind of something that comes up all the time from like, do you guys ever listen to a song and it's like your jam? And then like a week later, probably about the time you're sitting in the car with your mother, <laughs> comes on the radio or your phone, and then you suddenly realize what you've been singing for like two weeks. Anybody else? Or is it just me? Yep. It's just me. Okay, yep. cool. That's what I thought. Yep. Same thing kind of happens in advertising, yeah? I already oh. talked about the commercials and the stain in the ceiling, you know? So the funny thing is, all right, story time again. I got to tell you a story about this game because I love this game. This is like, we've played this a lot in the last couple of years, and it's always a lot of fun. There's a lot of laughing, and there was this one time I was playing this game in an eighth grade all-boys classroom. 
Hey, I was an eighth grade boy at one time. <laughs> so we were having a blast. We get to the end of this game. Everyone's laughing, except for one kid. He's sitting over on the end, and he's got this serious look on his face. So I said, no, he says, I don't get it. And I was like, I was like uh, well, you see here. <laughs> he, he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I get it. They're using sex to sell a product. Why should I care? I was like, oh no, that's not how this is supposed to go. That's not in the notes. So I'm trying to like come up with an answer for him on the spot. And he kept going and he says, like, I get it, okay, but all of these women posed for these shots. This is their job. This is how they get money. Why should I care what they do to make a living? I was like, uh, uh. And while I'm trying to think of anything to say to this, because he does have a point, I wish I had known at the time, but I'll give you guys a spoiler. She didn't. She sued Burger King. She was really upset over this one. They didn't even tell her what they were doing with the picture. So that was a big old ordeal. But I didn't know that at the time, so I couldn't tell this student that that's not always the case. We don't always know that what we're watching is consensual. We don't always know that. But in this case, I'm trying to think of anything to say, and while I'm stalling, he keeps going, and he says, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with all these girls around here at my school. And I was like, uh. <laughs> he says, obviously, they dress the way they do because they want me to be staring at them. Now, he's not here, I don't think, so don't like slap him, okay, <laughs> so he's not here. But the more I started to think about it, the more I started to realize he's kind of got a point. I, don't slap me. Hear me out. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's true. But my point is that a lot of times don't we act like this in relationships? And I'm not saying that case in particular, but we act like, like on one side we have to behave or, or do certain things to keep our relationship, to keep our partner and on the other half of that, for both sides of the relationship, we expect certain things of a relationship. Now, expectations are not a bad thing. I mean, both my wife and I had lots of expectations of what married life would be like. And some were right, some were wrong, okay? But expectations aren't the problem. But where do we learn about expectations in a relationship? Well, I think for a lot of us, like in my case, I grew up in a home where we didn't talk about sex. So the only thing I knew about sex was what I learned from pornography. Which, in case you've tried, doesn't apply to real relationships. It doesn't work that way. And a lot of the things that we accept in the media, we accept in commercials. So like, that's funny, that's a joke, okay? Would never fly in a real relationship. But a lot of us still try it. And then we get frustrated when it doesn't work the same way that it did in the media. So it's not that media is evil, okay? But we need to think about what we are learning from media and how we apply it to relationships. Fortunately for us, there's another way to learn about sex and relationships. And that's through healthier sources like our parents, our families, the scripture, 
I know that sounds really weird, okay, but like clearly our parents have gone before us and they kind of know a little bit more of us, more than us, and the scripture clearly has a lot to say about sex. Okay, so whenever we talk about culture's expectations, right, we talked about what media says about sex and relationships, but also there is like an expectation that culture has for people who are dating, for people who are single, right? Um, how many has ever had heard that term like self-love, right? Okay, and self-love is a good thing, right? Um, but that can be, you know, abused just like everything else, right? Um, also, whenever we think about culture's expectations, especially for relationships, um, another thing that's normal is like kind of like talking to someone but never really committing, right? And things like that. Can anybody think of anything else that's like normal? Like if at your school maybe, like what's something that's like culture expects you to do it this way and like you don't think that that's right? Any ideas? Playing hard to get. Okay, playing hard to get. Yeah. Instead of, like, actually just, like, being a normal person. <laughs> okay, sending nude pictures. That's, like, super, ex it's, it's very expected, yeah. Telling your friends everything that happens. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, feeling like you have to send nudes if a guy asks. Oh, so feeling that pressure, like, you almost have to do it, even if you don't want to. You date just to date, not to marry. Ooh, date just to date, not to marry. They just to have sex. Oh, okay. Oh, trail someone along. Those are all really good. Oh, I have one more. It's often told that the guy has to take the lead or that he has to ask the girl, and it, I think it can be either way. Yeah, very good. So, like, there's this unspoken, like, expectation that guys are the only ones that can, like, you know, go up and say hi or, like, Hey, can I get your number, you know, and like that doesn't always have to be the case. Very good. Okay, so there's these different expectations, but like we need to line up what God's word says about our lives and what it says about our futures. And we need to line that up with the scripture because like that, that way we are following something that we actually know that we can rely on. So I think sometimes something expected or at least normalized, if it's increasingly talked about. In fact, some of the major players in the game are even advertising in places like Times Square and all over the social media apps. And we start to see this everywhere, just this normalization of pornography. In fact, it's not even all so simple as it used to be. Like it used to just be like, I don't know, a magazine that you had to go to some really sketchy gas station to go find. It's not like that anymore. Access is incredibly simple and they're trying to find you now uh, and, and making it easy with the supposed privacy of our own homes and devices. So it becomes normal and normal and, and so much so that it's not even just magazines now. It could be videos. It could be even stories. In fact, it's becoming increasingly difficult to define what exactly is pornography. What is it? And there's a danger in, you know, if we just say that all skin is bad and evil, and we shouldn't show any of that. I mean, that's not healthy or biblical or really helpful at all. But then there's the other extreme where we just say, oh, well, we can just do or say or whatever. It's not really pornography. It's art, right? And there's, there's this fine line that we have to walk in how we can divine it. 
define what pornography is. So we've kind of come up with a really loose definition of what we believe to be so harmful about pornography, and that is that it is any form of media, be it written, audio, or video, um, that causes us to lust after another real or artificial, especially in an inappropriate way. I mean, when we begin to do this, we might realize that this might not just be videos or pictures. This might be that romance novel that we really like. Um, but is that really helping us, or is that really just another form of pornography that we're abusing? How harmful that can be. All right, so there is a group, I don't know if anyone's heard of it, called Fight the New Drug. Okay, so they actually study people and they um, research people that are addicted to pornography and they found some shocking results of how it affects us whenever we do become addicted and whenever we participate in pornography. So for the brain, when, we, when researchers compared brain scans of porn users versus non-porn users, they found that the more porn the person had used, the less the reward centers activated when porn was flashed on a screen. Okay, so it can start off with something that seems like not so bad, but then your, your reward centers aren't reacting like they first did, so you have to look for something else, something maybe a little bit more extreme, okay? Um, it also affects our body. Um, for men, post-internet porn, unpre unprecedented numbers of men are reporting ED or erectile dysfunction, okay? And then, most importantly, our relationship. Marriages in which one partner has a pornography pro problem are commonly plagued by diminished intimacy and sensitivity, anxiety, secrecy, isolation, relationship dysfunction. And that doesn't sound like anything we want, right? But the thing is, is I don't want you guys to think that like, this, this doesn't just apply for marriages. Like this, this is dating relationships too. And like even friendships, you know, like you can feel so low about yourself because you know that what you're doing, you know, it's not right. Um, and also if you're struggling with pornography, you can't just get married and then that problem's just gonna go away because you're like having sex, okay? If you have a problem with pornography, it's always important to confront that and to really beat that by yourself and, yeah. So if we want to get technical, okay, some have argued that the Bible doesn't say anything about pornography. The word pornography is not actually written in the Bible, okay? But just real, so we understand what we're talking about. This word porneia is used 26 times in the New Testament alone um, by uh, Jesus, by Paul, by several of them, and not just once, like over and over and over. It was a term that they were um, very familiar with and used often. In fact, uh, Jesus in Matthew 5 even used it uh, to prove a point about the law. He wasn't even talking about sex and adultery, but he was like, I'm going to use this point to prove you wrong and you're thinking about this. Okay, so it was, it was something that they obviously were comfortable with um, talking about. This is actually where we get our root word for pornography. Okay, uh, and the idea and the concept behind porneia is, I mean, the same as what we get in pornography now. Uh, it could be translated sexual promiscuity. It's often translated sexual immorality, but it could be translated um, sexual promiscuity of any type. It's kind of a broad term um, that they use uh, to, in a sense, talk about, I mean, they didn't have the internet and, like, porn sites and stuff, but the concept is, is the same. So obviously there are consequences of sexual morality. Like we all know what probably what STDs are, right? And that's something that is a physical con consequence that you can get for being really sexually active and having sex with different partners. Um, but the main thing is, and the real message that we're trying to bring here is that there is freedom in Christ and that 
just like first John one nine says, you know, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins. So we can never, like, we're never going to be stuck in that if we give it to the Lord. So that's just like what we really want you to take away today. So briefly, we want to talk about sex trafficking. I mean, there's a, this, this link between our usage of pornography and sex trafficking. And it's still a very real issue all across our globe. In fact, actually, I think just the other day I read an article about another billionaire who is arrested for a sex trafficking scandal. Um, it's another big deal. But these pop up all the time, and we see them a lot. And there was a, a research team that they wanted to understand pornography and sex trafficking and if there was a link. And their conclusion after years of research and study is that sex trafficking would no longer exist if it wasn't for pornography. Two reasons why. Number one, pornography uh, creates this acceptance of abuse. Like that's normal. My pleasure is worth more than your anything. Uh, but then also, our use of pornography creates a need for victims of sex trafficking as we see that more and more pornography is not actually consensual. So for that reason, those two reasons, they said that if we got rid of pornography, we wouldn't even have sex trafficking. It wouldn't be a thing anymore. Okay, but the hope is, and the light of this is, is that there, there is a plan for sex. And God has a plan for our lives, and obviously that's what we can find in the Bible. Um, and even though it was written so long ago, it still applies to our lives today. And that it, the hope is, is, you know, God created us with a purpose. He created us um, with a plan in mind. And so he created man and woman, and he desired for them to become married and to be united together. Does anybody know what the first thing, even before the fall, the one thing is that God said is not good? For the man to be alone. So even before sin entered the world, God had a plan for Adam, uh, and, and that relationship was planned. And later on in Genesis, just a couple chapters later, um, not even a couple chapters later, uh, we hear a bit more of that uh, plan for sex, even in the early chapters of Genesis. And it says that, uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be united to his wife. Even in the early chapters of Genesis, God had a plan for sex. God had a plan for marriage. God had a plan for loneliness and for relationships. And that plan is actually carried through the scripture. And we see throughout scripture uh, from the uh, references to God's people as either um, adulterous people or faithful people, these descriptions describing God's people in this way. I mean, we get like chapters like Ezekiel, oh shoot, is it 16 or 13? I'm throwing a blank here. But we get this almost graphic description of God's people and him in, uh, in this way. We get this carried through the New Testament even when Paul further elaborates like we talked about earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. On this idea for marriage, God has a very real plan for you, your relationships, your loneliness, and your sexuality. Wow, words are difficult sometimes. Okay, um, but a very real plan for you all. So what is love, right? And the main thing that we can probably think about is uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and it talks about how love is patient and love is kind, Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not puffed up, 
right? It's not rude, and love bears all things, believe all, believes all things, and endures all things, right? So love truly never fails, especially if it's rooted in Christ. And so if you are struggling with, like, trying to find your identity in relationships or struggling with pornography, like, seek love and, like, seek what true love is and not just, like, a feeling or an emotion, but, like, an actual commitment and promise of love. So real briefly, it would be kind of odd to talk about relationships without boundaries, and now some of you are already thinking, ah. Oh. Austin's going to tell me not to make out with my boyfriend or girlfriend. No, I am not your mother, okay? <laughs> I'm not here to tell you what to do. Only that boundaries are not, I, like our, our gut reaction when we start talking about boundaries is like, ugh. That's not like how boundaries are supposed to work. But boundaries are how we protect ourselves in a relationship uh, and protect our decisions in a relationship. And as such, there are decisions to be made before that relationship. I know in relationship, you're supposed to be learning about how to share and share responsibility. And yeah, not your boundaries. Okay, You live with the consequences of your action in that relationship. So your boundaries are yours. Very good. And then another awesome thing, obviously, this is called best sex because we believe that the best sex that you could ever have is when you're married, especially to that person that the Lord wants you to be with. Um, but what's really cool, and we can look at science to actually prove it, like, we know that God's word is true, but we also know that science proves things as well. Um, bonding chemicals. Did you guys know that whenever a man and a woman um, have sex or they participate in sexual activity, especially whenever it's that God-ordained, that whenever they participate in sexual activity, a chemical is released called oxytocin, and that actually bonds them together. And that's actually the same chemical that's released whenever a woman breastfeeds her baby. Okay, so it's like a relationship bonding chemical. Isn't that crazy? So, briefly, um, we kind of have given you guys an overview. Some of what God has planned for sex. Obviously, we can't expound fully on everything that Scripture has to say about sex. One of our goals, though, is to encourage you all to get into the Word yourself. Okay, there is so much in the Word for you in that part of your life that you don't want to talk about with somebody else. There is a word for you in the scripture. So get into the scripture uh, and learn more. Um, but we should talk a little bit about recovery. So there's a couple of things we're going to throw out. Um, remember, when we're talking about something like addiction, be it to uh, relationships or be it to pornography or really in any other case, uh, the scriptures say that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We stand before you today talking about this because the Lord has set us free. And ultimately, Salvation and freedom are found in Christ, in Christ alone. It doesn't mean that we just sit here and go, ah, well, God hasn't fixed me yet, okay? So we have to have a, a plan, okay, for recovery. So uh, in recovery, we just want to give you guys a couple of hints. If this is something that you guys want more help with, then don't leave it here. I'm going to give you a couple of tips in like a few minutes because that's what I got time for. But if this is something that you guys want help with and you're serious about getting free, and finding freedom in Christ, talk to somebody. Whether it's one of us, we'll be out. Okay, see, so did you guys see the giant pink van out on the show floor? Yeah, that's us. So come say hi um, and come talk to us. We'll make the time to talk to you. But also, um, I know a lot of you all came here with awesome leaders um, and parents and staff, people who love you. Talk to them. Uh, don't let it end here. But uh, real quickly, three, like, kind of real quick tips. Okay, number one, uh, make a plan. Okay, you're not going to uh, overcome this just by 
saying you're going to overcome it. Have a strategy, have a plan, do some reading, do some learning, and know what you're going to do. The act of accomplishing goals, anybody else like really find it satisfying to check something off your list? Okay, that's not just a weird thing. Okay, that's your brain um, like checking something off the list and that's a good thing and a positive and it builds up our will and it builds up our, our strength to accomplish bigger and greater goals. So start with small goals and set goals. They don't even have to be about this. It could be you know, fitness goals or I want to clean my room more. Set goals and accomplish them. Uh, and then number two is manage your setbacks. Okay, If you slip, that's not the end of the world. Two things. Okay, If you slip and you've been like, I don't know, let's say this has been a long time struggle for you and then you go like 10 days like without this in your life, then you slip up. The temptation is to fall back into even a worse place than you were because you've like failed and this is awful. That's not what you plan on doing. Remember that you just went 10 days and that's more than probably you've been in a while. Okay, And remember that and remember that you're already further ahead than when you started. And then the third thing is to find an accountability partner, okay? So someone who is kind of like a mentor, someone that you can look to, that you trust, that will keep you accountable, that will be like, hey, I know you're struggling with trying to find your identity in relationships. Like, do you really feel like you need to be talking to that person right now? Do you really feel like you need to be investing in that right now? Or do you feel like you need to go on that website, you know? Um, and then some practical things, like obviously there's a, uh, a program called Covenant Eyes, and that just kind of goes over what you look at and it will send reports to your accountability partner and they can look at that with you. Another way that's actually free is um, you can go, if you have an iPhone, there's actually a way that you can turn off your private browsing mode just because we all know how dangerous that can be to have no history. So you can give that to someone that you trust. They have a pin code that they put in there. And actually me and my husband have that just because we don't want to tempt ourselves. So um, that's something that's really important. That's something really cool that you can do. Look, and I know some of this has been really tough for some of you. This is a really, really hard and dark, difficult issue. Maybe if it, it's something uh, that you struggle with, be it relationships or pornography, sexuality in general is a very difficult topic to discuss, which is why I'm so thankful that y'all are here. Like, y'all are awesome, and I'm excited to see so many of you here. But it can be hard, but that's not why we're here. Okay, I'm not here to, like, give you a challenge. Okay, I'm here because... For the two of us, we know freedom in Christ. I don't think we should be surprised. Galatians chapter 3, Paul tells us that the world is held prisoner to sin. I don't think we really should be that surprised that we see so much sin. But later in that book, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul form, informs us that, um, oh, that's the wrong one. Galatians 5, 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I was going back to where the Spirit of the Lord is, which is also awesome. Um, but I told you guys that I struggled with pornography for seven years, and I wouldn't be standing up here telling you this if I was still struggling with pornography. I'm here because I found freedom in Christ, and I know what it's like to know a God who loves you and cares about that part of you that you don't want to talk about. And so I want to encourage you in that there is freedom in Christ, and to go and find that for yourself. Know what that's like. Come taste and see the freedom that I know in Christ um, and is available for you. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for us to come in here and just tell you that this is all evil and sad, okay? No, there is uh, freedom in Christ. Awesome. And then for me, like, I did struggle really bad with unhealthy relationships, but it took, like, a really unhealthy relationship breaking and, like, me being cheated on and just emotionally abused for me to realize 
that that's not what God, God has created for me. That's not his purpose for me. And so what I did is I was, I just broke down and I was like, God, like, I am going to stop pursuing and I'm just going to put my trust in you and I'm going to find my identity in you. And so I like stopped, I stopped pursuing and I focused on my relationship with God. And then I felt, I felt freedom, you know, and uh, I went on a mission trip and I did things that were so amazing and I, I actually grew. And then out of the blue came my husband and we've been married for a year in like a week. So God is so good. <laughs> Awesome. So with that, we're out of time, and we're going to formally wrap this up, but don't leave, because I'm going to pass this back to our volunteer who has some things for you all, wants to talk to you all for a minute. Um, but if you all want to come talk to us, we'll be around here for a bit, and then go find us at the giant pink van. So I'm going to pass this off now. Thank you guys very much. Thank you.